Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and it is a very warm welcome back for the fourth time, I think, to Space Spinner 2000's very own Conrad Lydon. Conrad, welcome back. Uh, Borak Dong, Earthlets, happy to be here, Eamon. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I love Mega City Book Club. Always happy to darken your doors. <laughs> So, uh, thank you, Conrad. Um, so, as ever, you've chosen a thrill from the early days of the prog, which is your specialist subject. But before we get to that, we're going to go straight into a more recent release from the Treasury of British Comics, I guess, because on Space Spinner 2000, you did a sort of mini-series, Space Spinner Reaction, about yes. action comics from the 70s? Absolutely, yes. The the UK action comic, a comic that's very difficult to find out about online because Superman keeps getting in the way, that bounder, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it does, yeah. It is difficult to Google and Wikipedia, but you can find it eventually. A very controversial comic from the sort of mid mid to late 70s here in the UK. Absolutely. And we just had the Action 2020 special, and uh, we've both got a copy. Uh, so tell me, Conrad, you're the Action e- expert. What did you think? Get straight to it, the 2020 special. Oh, man. I got so I got both the digital and the physical copy, which, which came with a, uh, a version of the, of the Pope um, Action 37. Nice. And I liked, I liked the special quite a bit. It had, um, it, it had some, some moments that were, I was sort of questionable about, but also some moments that made me like, um, like laugh uproariously and just be very excited. So, um, you know, it's, I, I, I think it definitely did what, what it set out to do of just sort of relaunching this action brand. I must say a lot of the stories feel like they are, um, as opposed to being maybe self-contained, are sort of cliffhangery or sort of lead to more stories. And it's very there's several stories I'm, I'm very interested to see if um, how they go forward with them. I'd love to see more of them. Yes, I mean when when are we going to get another one? Hopefully there will be another action special. I guess this time next year that will pick up some of these threads and cliffhangers. Um, we start with a beautiful Staz uh, Johnson and John Charles cover. And then we get Kids Rule OK, which, of course, was one of the strips that really caused all the trouble back in the 70s. Yeah, I should say also, um, the, I, I, I like the cover. The cover feels very old school with, like, the three stories on it. And then um, on the inside, we also meet a, a new presenter for action, Action Ed, perhaps son of Steve McManus, Action, action, action Man. That's not clear yes. um, how it goes exactly. <laughs> I wonder if he's been paid £10 to go and do ridiculous things. One can only hope, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what did you make of Kids Rule OK, first of all, then? Let's do that one. Um, I, I was a little... It, it, it was a little weird because they sort of start off saying that the plague was in 86, was in 1986 like it was in, in the actual comic, but, but then they don't give the current year or, 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 or how much time has passed. So that was, I was, I was sort of a question about it just because it seems like much has changed, I guess. Um, in, in original kids rule okay. And I think it's an interesting thing because. And so the I say a lot about action, which is that I think we get we, we we make kids rule okay seem like a much bigger story in action than it was. It's because I think there were only like three or four issues of it before action was canceled. But because it played such a key role in action being canceled, 
that um, or being censored that people talk yeah. like make it seem like a much bigger deal than it was within i mean like like there's far more like blackjack say or even hell's highway in action than there is kids rule okay for instance but i thought this is very and but in that story like society hadn't really devolved yet it felt bit like there like it was still mostly around like what what the world was i suppose um, yeah, like like there were bikers, there were schools, sort of. There were still grown ups around. Whereas this story is definitely devolved all the way to full Mad Max, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, in this yeah, in the story, you got biker kids over a building site being guarded by some ragtag fighter kids, and then there's builder kids also that have a mysterious plan. I I like the ragtag group. You know, there's, there's like a girl with some katanas. There's a big guy with uh, with a leather helmet and a battle axe and stuff. Um, but the end, like you kind of there's sort of hints that this might be in America or something. Like the final part has like the Statue of Liberty's crown or something, which seems very odd. This isn't just this isn't or doesn't feel like an extension of the Malvern mob from the original Kids Rule. Okay, is is, is what I'm trying to say. So right. I'd be interested to see bunch more of about kids this. Rule okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so we go from some wonderful color art. We go to black and white, and we have Garth Ennis and uh, Mike Dory doing. Hellman of Hammerforce, or just Hellman as he's now called. Hellman, at the twilight of the Reich. Yeah, um, I, this is the one I was most excited for. Um, I, yes. I I really like Garth Ennis. I'm excited for him to arrive on Space Spinner. He'll be there soon. And I'm a huge Mike Dory fan, just generally. It's amazing that he's back doing comics. I think this is really awesome. Um, so, yeah, 1945, which is where the comic ended in action, when action folded, actually. And we sort of, yeah, see Hellman in a lone tank with a tank crew of characters we, we've met previously in the stories, um, sort of meeting these German kids and, you know, having a kind of a, a nuanced discussion about heroism within Nazi Germany <laughs> as Hellman takes on a whole fleet of uh, Russian tanks. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I love this. I thought this was fantastic. Black and white. Um, beautiful Mike Dory work. Uh, I like the story as well. I thought it was very well done by Garth Ennis. And if you're going to get anybody to write a war story, Garth Ennis is your man, isn't he? Absolutely. It it it, it like it, it definitely feels like he's read up on Hellman also, just because we do kind of have these members of his tank crew that are characters from the action stories. Like you know, there's one guy from a penal legion, and then sort of one more straight straight uh, like like straight laced guy in the in the tank crew and stuff. And it's a great um, also a great. Uh, a great comparison of like modern Hellman who is, you know, has a five o'clock shadow and is kind of haggard with like a Blitzkrieg Hellman who's clean shaven and like marching off to war, you know? Yeah. He's seen some stuff, hasn't he? Oh, absolutely. And then of course we got a slightly controversial strip, depending on who you read, because we get a new, a new thrill, if I'm allowed to call them thrills, (laughs) we get Hell Machine by Henry Flint with art by himself and Jake Lynch. What did you make of a news story for uh, action? I was iffy on it initially, I suppose, just because, you know, I mean, like on one hand, having an action special makes me assume that it's going to be mostly nostalgia based. But I think on the other hand, um, there are elements of, of this story that feel very action-like, I guess. Like, yeah. uh, you definitely feel hints of stuff like, uh, like, like of Death Game 1999, for instance, just in the, uh, in the game-like nature of the traps they end up getting into in the, in, in, in the course of Hell Machine. 
And just also, there's just so much blood in this story that makes it feel incredibly... <laughs> rivers of blood. Yeah, literally, literal rivers of blood that makes it feel very, um, very action. Just those, you know, of, of course, we, we've talked about those Hookjaw stories where you just get a full red panel in the course of Hookjaw's adventures, you know. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I enjoyed this. And this is one of those ones where you think, oh, yeah, we need to see more Hell Machine. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, I, I hope we get it back in the future. Yeah. I, I'd say Hellman sort of ended on a cliffhanger as well because he said he's going to Berlin to kill someone. And it's like, ooh, who does that mean? That's exciting. But this one, too, just because it ends with so much, um, like, intrigue. It's, you know, it's a oppressive state. Very weird note that the police are a, are a cloned police officers with the faces of babies despite being grown up which is very odd <laughs> and, <laughs> but then ends with this stuff about about a resistance fighting against them from within this giant hell machine that looks very interesting and yeah um like you say this one's was one that i'm I'd, I'd be very interested to see as a continuing thrill either maybe in more regular action specials or in 2000 ad or something like that Fantastic. Yeah, I loved it. I thought, uh, you know, can't wait to get some more of that, yeah. actually. I really like Jake Lynch, Jake Lynch's art as well. That's not an artist I'm, I'm familiar with, but his stuff actually, um, especially this one character really reminded me of, um, me of, of Aeon Flux back in the day. Maybe yes. it was just a, just yeah. so, sort of a, s- sort of a lithe woman fighting against a dystopia, you know, sort of yeah. <laughs> that, that feel to me. Was that on, uh, MTV? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Liquid television. Got, it, oh, man. Got a, liquid television. And it got a movie as well, didn't it? Yeah, with uh, Charlize Theron, I Charlize believe. Charlize Theron, yes. Ah, yeah. Okay. Now, you mentioned red panels for Hookjaw. <laughs> yes. Because we then get Hookjaw um, <laughs> with beautiful artwork by Dan Lish, who apparently, according to the Thrillcast, doesn't like drawing gory panels, but he does a pretty good job. <laughs> and it's written by one Quint Amity. Indeed. Yeah, the, uh, the Robert but, Shaw character from Jaws and the town it takes place in. Oh, man. Exactly, yes. But no dialogue. So this is an exercise in sort of silent storytelling on the comic page. Um, so I, I probably should mention before we go any further, I've already spoiled it on one episode of Mega City Book Club, but spoilers are coming up for this story. Tell me about this one, um, Hookjaw, Conrad. Let me, uh, let me uh, um, um, recreate what I said in my mind as I was reading this story. All right. Wait, no, no, no. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Oh my God. This was, I, uh, this is what I joked it would be when I talked to people about it. I'm so excited (laughs) about this story. Um, but yeah, I mean, sorry, the story ends with this giant page of, of, of Hookjaw versus Shacko, and it's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it is possibly the single greatest page in the history of comics, is it not? Giant jaws flashing blood everywhere. Oh my gosh. I mean, I mean, you know, anyone who listens to your show knows that I, I love Shacko. I, I did an episode about it here. Um, yeah. and, this is just exactly what I dreamed it could be. <laughs> yeah, it's so absolutely. it's so great. Um, it's funny what you said about spoilers. I had I try um, once I got the digital copy. I tried for weeks 
to get Fox to read this story. <laughs> but right. he, he kept being busy and he didn't have time to like, you know, between our, our regular show commitments and stuff. I'm like, dude, you have to just go to page like 38 and read through. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. And I'm just on the edge of my seat. Like, you've got to see this. Somebody read it. <laughs> and so finally in the end i just caved and i'm like look this is it i i recorded it and i I can actually probably send you the recording of fox's (laughs) response as well because it was just like myers very excited um of of just the fun of just the final of just the final page just very like oh I mean, I don't know. It's it's very much a childlike response to me. I love this story so much. And just it was so much what I was looking for. At this point, like, unlike other stories where I'm interested to see what they, how they continue this, this is all I need from this story. Uh, Okay. Yeah, it's just perfect. Next Jaw versus Shaco. And it ends with a full page splash. And if we played the Grail page game for the Action 2020 special, Conrad, I I guess we'd both agree on the same page. I couldn't pick anything else. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm not now. I, I'm not saying that I don't want more of things of stuff like this. For the record, like yeah. I'm just saying, I don't need the blow by blow of Hookjaw versus Shacko. What I really need is for them to eventually settle their differences, become friends, and then the next action special fall through a time porthole and uh, confront old One Eye. Basically, is what I'm looking <laughs> for. I want, I want all, and and then all three of them to somehow meet up with the Ant Wars ants. I just want all the. All of these <laughs> 2000 AD in action animals to just come together to form a big, a, a big super group, you know, the giant, <laughs> the, the giant killer animals from yeah. British comics. I, I, yeah. I, I want the vigilant, but all animals, all animals. <laughs> <laughs> the animal Avengers, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, it's an idea to assemble a team, or I guess like uh, like the old super uh, old Superman thing, the uh, the Legion of Super Pets. But they yep. just they just all murder people. They're, they're all just murderers. They're all murder death beasts. <laughs> exactly. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening and you've not got it yet, the Action 2020, which I believe has sold out in hard copy but is still available digitally, is worth the price of admission yeah. just for Hookjaw versus Shaco and Dan Lish's gorgeous art. Absolutely. And I suspect, I suspect this might be uh, Keith Richardson behind uh, old Quint Amity. Yeah, marvelous job. Yeah, it made uh, top thrill. It made Dredger, which came after Hookjaw, feel like kind of a letdown, actually, just because yeah. I feel like I'd I'd reached my peak. And <laughs> while Dredger was excellent spy action, I was a little bummed that his uh, his partner Breed wasn't along for the action as well. Although I guess yeah, there's no Breed. Yeah, with how Dredger's partner ends up at the end of this story, I guess it's better that the Breed didn't come along. <laughs> Still feels like like it's missing part of the uh, of the of the classic uh, team, I guess. Yes. So we end up, as you say, with the uh, no nonsense uh, super spy uh, hard nosed cop from the nineteen seventies action who goes by the name of Dredger. <laughs> it can only be shouted. I can feel only be shouted. <laughs> and but the here he's like Bond because they've just unlike Kids Rule OK, where you think it might be a new group of kids. This mm-hmm. is uh, Dredger is after uh, a, a very sort of modern memory stick. Uh, yes, but he's still he's still no nonsense Dredger, isn't he? Yeah, and he's still like it, and everything otherwise still feels very like late seventies, I guess. You know, he's got like the old um, the old spy boss in the pinstripe suit and the plush office and things like that as he heads out on the mission. Yeah, 
Um, but yes, then otherwise it is very much about, yeah, memory sticks and uh, bio attacks and things like that. And him uh, having taken no nonsense from his pinstripe boss as well. But yeah, <laughs> Dredger. Dredger! Which I should mention is uh, Zena Hutton wrote it and it's Staz Johnson back from the cover to do Dredger. And then, of course, we get some notices of all the various other specials we got coming from the Treasury later on this year, some of which look great as well. But uh, whether any of them will hit the heights of Hookjaw versus Shaco, well... It's difficult. Although I think... I, I don't recall, but I think some of their of the of, of the timings of these might have changed a little bit due to uh, due to uh, uh, COVID concerns and some things like that. Um, yeah, I guess I I I mean they've just um, they've put out a revised schedule for a lot of their hard copies, uh, which have been pushed back. Some of them will be out digitally, I think. But ah. uh, yeah, uh, I think you might still get digital, you know, on the day publications, but the hard copies for a lot of things this year are going to be pushed back. Yeah. Uh, sadly but at least you know we'll have some digital thrills to read and i guess uh you would say conrad that you would probably would you be in favor of the action 2020 special and some more of this oh yes i want like i would i would love um actually something like they'd done not replacing a 2000 ad but like um you know i want i I want more action generally i I thought a, a lot of these stories were great i'd love to see more of them like you know a quarterly i'd buy that like i don't know um yeah it's um like there's I, I feel like there's so much room for or for me there's always room for non superhero based comic books you know um, which I feel like action supplies readily and these sort of more grown up like you know big violent things is is a lot of fun and and more introspective things as well I think there could be a lot to, you know I I think Hellman especially is one where there's always a lot of room for introspection um I'm very interested to see what's going on with kids rule okay for instance as well and. Yeah, I thought the Hell Machine was really cool. I'd love to see more of that as well. As you know, always more is what I, I, I'm thinking. I'm, a, I'm an action uh, action stalwart. I'm ready to see more of this in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I, me too. I mean, there's some talk on the forums and on Facebook, exactly as you say, that people would like to see a, a quarterly action special, which they would buy. But of course, you know, the economics of all this stuff yes, is quite tricky. That's, isn't that's it? true. Yeah, I mean it. it I'm hoping this is like sort of like the uh, the regene 2000 AD where it starts off as a occasional thing and maybe becomes more regular if we're willing to uh, to uh, pay for it. Basically, I mean, I've, like I said, I bought several copies because I'm trying to vote with my dollars to say that I want more of this, and I feel like that's sort of the most that we as consumers can do for this sort of thing. And just of course, also you know, talk about how much we like it as well in public places. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, great. Thank you for that, Conrad. That's a rattle through the Action 2020 special, but we loved it. Um, and possibly the single, one of the single greatest pages in comic book history. Oh my gosh. Yeah, a true, <laughs> a true gra- grail page. I would go on a quest for, for that um, Hookjaw hook yeah. Shaco page. <laughs> if anybody listening knows who owns that page, tell us, please. I just want to see it. You know, I don't yeah. know. I want, to, I want to spend time with it. I want to buy a dinner or something. I don't know. <laughs> So, Conrad, we're book club, so we brought you on as ever to do a book uh, a collection from, again, from fairly early days, your specialist subject, the early days of 2000 AD. Tell us about the book you've chosen for the book club this time. Yes, Mark 1, book 2, Close Encounters. Fantastic. So this collects stories from Progs 34 to 46, 
53 to 75 and 162 to 165 plus the sci-fi specials from 78 79 and the 2008 annual from 1979 and this is a rebellion obviously collection from last year 2019 now you've chosen volume two Yes. Um, I think I know the answer, but why have you chosen volume two instead of volume one, Conrad? I mean, the honest answer is I'm not really here for Mach 1. I'm here for Mach 0. He's the best. (laughs) (laughs) It was very much a thing when they announced these collections that I was like, like the first Mach 1 collection was announced. I was immediately on like a 2080s Twitter being like, is is Mach 0 going to be reprinted? When is this coming out? (laughs) Like I wanted to make sure. That they couldn't cut it out from the actual stories. Absolutely. So, all right, let's just go, just just quick quick refresher for anybody who doesn't know. Tell us, first of all, who is Mac 1? Yes. Right back from Prog 1. Absolutely. Uh, yes, less a secret agent, more a secret weapon. He's a, he's a UK agent, John Probe. He was given several months of electrically enhanced full-body acupuncture, and then a computer was implanted in his brain. He is the first man activated by compupuncture hyperpower. Um I like to <laughs> wow. I like to imagine this as I, as a sequel to Dredger, which we just talked about. Um, you know, okay, yeah. like very much, if not Dredger or Breed themselves, and one of their counterparts also in like MI five, sort of being tossed in to uh, sci fi surgery, basically. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and it is it is. I suppose we should say it's one of Pat Mills's sort of well known cribs from popular culture because uh, John Probe is quite. <laughs> Clearly based on Steve Austin, the $6 million man. Yeah, feel free to add your uh, <laughs> sounds as necessary. Yeah, season four, I did some quick looks. Uh, season four would have of, of the $6 million man would have just been ending when Prague 1 came out. Um, ah, okay. And it's actually, I thought it was kind of interesting. There actually was a British comic about the six, like, like an actual $6 million man comic in a look-in by Angus P. Allen and Martin Ashbery in, uh, in, in the early days of the show. Oh, right. Okay. Not the first time, not just a $6 million man-like character. The actual $6 million man has been in British comics. And just while we're on the subject of the $6 million man, how much would six? How much of him would $6 million buy nowadays? God, I don't know. Like a finger, maybe? Like, <laughs> it can't be that much. I mean, even, like, honestly, even in six, in a, in, um, in the show, in, in the second season of $6 million man, a second one comes out, and he's the $7 million man. So even a year, it went up a million dollars, you know? <laughs> Borak Dong Book Clubbers! Time traveling Conrad from Space Spinner 2000 here to correct a mistake I made during this episode. During our conversation, I neglected to check what $6 million in 1973 would be in 2020 dollars. Worry not, for I have solved this inflationary mystery and can confirm that $6 million in 73 would be roughly $34 million today. Please adjust your cyborg budgets accordingly. Splendig Vathrick! <laughs> So Mac 1 begins in Prog 1 and is initially, if accounts are to be believed, is initially the most popular uh, thrill uh, to begin with, more popular even than Judge Dredd. Um, although Dredd obviously then starts to build popularity and becomes the, you know, the most popular strip in the, in the comics history. But um, So it starts off being very popular. We've got a first volume, which I actually have got here beside me as well, um, I mean, what sort of adventures does John Pro get up to as Mac One, just briefly? 
I mean, it is very much sort of super, like uh, uh, super spy stuff of that era. Um, I, I, he fights a lot of terrorists, I believe. I remember one of the first stories which we covered, actually recently covered, when we redid our first episode of Space Spinner, has one of my favorite titles, which is uh, In 24 Hours, A President Must Die, which is him like showing up in a Middle Eastern country, assassinating the president and leaving. Honestly, it's a lot of like of that. And, and, um, Dredge was like this as well, actually. Just, just a lot of sort of colonial things of going to different countries and sort of getting involved in local politics and stuff. Also, a fair amount of, like, questionable yellow peril stuff in the early yeah, days. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. He, like, I believe several times, like, the only person that can match uh, John Probe with his powers is some sort of, like, martial arts master from the Far East. I think he fights a Yeti at one point. Things like that. <laughs> He does, yeah. In the first volume, he fights Yetis. And you mentioned that it's, of course, you know, the Six Million Dollar Man show was obsessed yeah. with uh, the Bigfoot. He fought Bigfoot in several episodes. It's like he teamed up with, this, with the Bionic Woman to help Bigfoot out. It's, he's a recurring character in the Six Million Dollar Man. Yeah. <laughs> so he is, uh, he is this super-powered, super-British spy. He has super-powered adventures, some of them in slightly, as you say, dodgy racial stereotyping mm. uh, ways but he goes into space he climbs Everest in a couple of hours um, he meets in the early part of this second volume he meets a bunch of uh, hyper-powered kids as well that's my that's that's a great story because that's yeah I mean we we, we could talk about this a bit but yeah this it feels like um, there's a point where they're sort of like all right well let's just have them deal with any everything hyper-powered, you know? And so... Yes. <laughs> leads to Mach Woman and uh, Mach Kids. There's a Mach Dog in there, all that kind of things. The Mach Woman, who unfortunately gets referred to by John Probe on one of the splash pages as Hyper Chick. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> Come on, John. Don't be an asshole, you know? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a different time when it's, um, I guess, from my understanding, it's 1987, but through the lens of 1977 or something. It's yeah. it's a complicated time for what's what what what's what's on and what isn't in terms of how you talk to people. And I haven't mentioned creators because there are so many of them on this volume. We've got lots of names listed on the front cover, lots of writers, including Pat Mills, uh, Scott Goodall, Alan Hebden, Nick Lando, loads of different artists in this volume, some of whom we're going to talk about in a little bit. I know there's some Jesus Redondo in there, which, of course, is always lovely to see. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Ramon Sola and some more Mike Dory, I think, as well. Yeah, I mean, Mach 1 feels like one of these um, – I don't know what, what – like, I, I, I think because it's in a contemporary setting, like, they, it, it feels like they don't really need – like. You don't really need that much of a creative vision for it, is what it seems like to me, because because um, um, Invasion was a lot like this too, actually, where there were a lot of different artists, and until Jerry Finley Day came out on, on a lot of di- a lot of different um, authors as well in the, in the course of, of the prog. I think because it's not like a a like a, a big sci fi story, like a sci fi story that like um, has its own setting and stuff. It's more sort of grounded in reality. They're more more willing to have a bunch of different people and different styles come on to, to, to draw it. Yeah, it is. It's, it's as you say, uh, it can be for any any creative team to come on. And it's mostly, they're either sort of one and done stories or they go over a couple of uh, progs worth of stories. They don't have too many long-running 
stories in Mac One. He's on a different mission most weeks. No, I mean that's that's very much like actually the big change that happens partway through Mach One is this move from um, sort of episodic or you know one or two prog stories to longer ones. Um, I, it, it feels like an attempt to revive the character almost to me. I think. Okay, so, I mean, that's interesting because it did feel to me like they had this super-powered super spy and he might have been, the strip, you know, it might not have been as popular as it was when it first started um, and it seemed to be flagging a bit. And then something very interesting happens about a third of the way into this second volume, Conrad, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you can see, I mean, just in your your listing of progs, there's a big gap um, in in the middle of it where we sort of see this um this jump like after the box zero story there's a big gap in the story but we definitely see like um steve mcmanus come in he does mock zero which really changes the shape of um of mock one and then the the story takes like a a five prog hiatus and comes back with this longer story the dolphin tapes which is very much feels like an attempt to create a larger like like a more serious mock one story i guess Okay, so see, so you said Steve McManus. So the editor at the time, you know, the yes. mighty one himself, suddenly takes over scripting Mac One, and he introduces, shall I say, the character that you're here for? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I love Tell Mac us the Zero. Setup of Mac Zero. So John Probe has been investigating. Oh, oh, so oh no. What, what what actually happens? I'm sorry. Is that uh, we've got a new government in England? Um, the page uh, Mark Zero, one of the few st- uh, story, one of the few British comics taking a, a vaguely pro Thatcher stance. But um, it, it appears that there's more oversight suddenly, and so we've got to look at this at something that's been on the books for many years. They go to an underground. Um, an underground vault, and inside is the early prototype of Mach 1, Mach 0, who's incredibly strong but has no control over himself. Oh, he loves the Muppets. It's very sad. His brain's devolved to a childlike state. Yes. <laughs> and inevitably, he, yeah, he's a real uh, uh, Hulk, if you will. And inevitably, he manages to escape, uh, rampages through the English countryside. Uh, Mach 1 gets involved despite his boss not really wanting him to. The two of them team up briefly, and then Mach Zero's taken away and uh, gets in a car accident and appears to be dead. Goes off the side of a cliff. Nobody's found, as you do. <laughs> As you do in comics, yeah. And he's, as you say, he's like, Mac Zero is like a cross between the Incredible Hulk uh, back in the early days of the Hulk when he was, you know, dumb Hulk. Yes. And uh, the other thing it reminded me of, because he was a fairly, he was a fairly normal chap until they did the experiments on Mm -hmm. him. But it reminded me of the Flowers for Algernon story, the sort of Charlie character whose, you know, mental abilities soar and then they start to go very, very much backwards. So he's very sort of uh, intellectually um, disabled. As you say, he's a huge fan of the Muppets. Yeah. To trade you classic literature, I'd say he's uh, he's Charlie from Flowers for Algernon combined with a George from Of Mice Mice and Men, basically. Oh, perfect. Perfect. He loves rabbits and uh, and Muppets. I believe he does yes. actually, actually, uh, uh, specifically George from Of Mice and Men, he, he, um, one of his children's, like a, his kid's pet at one point in a flashback as well, just sort of pet it to death by accident, basically. Um, oh, blimey. 
So, yes, yeah, Steve McManus uh, of Mice and Men's and Flowers for Algernon's his way through this story. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> to use those Space Bit of 2000 gerunds that, Abs- you, uh, that so, you invented. So key. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, but um, and so it's interesting just because it's sort of, I mean, it, it creates sort of an alternate vision of what Mach 1 could be, I think, because the, uh, the computer that lets John, Pro- that, that lets Probe control his powers and is a, actually an important character in Mach 1 is missing from Mach 0, which is sort of what gives him his strength and sort of makes Mach 1 sort of question himself and add a lot of like doubt to his character of like, oh, they just like, if I mess up, they'll just lock me in prison for, for all these years and I'll never be able to get out and stuff or like what the, here the, the side effects of compupuncture hyperpower that no one told me about. It's kind of an interest, it's an interesting layer to get on this story, especially in in this era of 2000 AD when stories were were often much simpler. I think this like it has a, a level like paranoia and like per, and like reality questioning that is uh, an 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 interesting addition um to the story. Yeah, I mean it does seem like Mac 1 is the simpler story obviously because he's you know he's a hyperpowered super spy and he just does these sort of fairly formulate missions. And then suddenly you get this. I mean, if we go back to Prog Two, of course, we get biotronic stickers, don't we? Which everybody. <laughs> I mean, you've had Pete Wells on your yes. show talking about himself and his brother both sticking on the biotronic stickers, and then his brother, I think, ending up in uh, in the emergency room, of course, right. punching walls. Tried, yeah, punching walls. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, they're dangerous things, those biotronic stickers. Although uh, not- I feel like that that is why actually throughout these Mach 1 stories, there are warning messages telling you not to do what John Probe does. Although most, mostly it's a jumping off things, I guess. But, you know. And I mean, again, I mentioned this before. We've, we keep talking about the Six Million Dollar Man show. Did you, do you ever, did you ever see the pilot TV film for the Six Million Dollar Man? I think when I was a kid, I, I, I ended up watching much more, uh, Bionic Woman, I think, just because I think there was like, like, like a program block that was like Bionic Woman and Wonder Woman, right? When I was like watching TV or something. But I did, at your suggestion, I went back and watched a bunch of Six Million Dollar Man, actually. So I've seen the pilot in a couple other episodes as well. Because I remember it, the you know, the TV show does something sort of opposite to this comic strip in that it started off very dark and grim and gritty. Mm. And I remember Steve Austin literally, once he completes his first mission, he's sort of literally put into cold storage at the end by the government. Yeah, electrosleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, of course, it became a sort of family-friendly weekly adventure show and it span off into the Barnet Woman and Bigfoot was there all the time as well. Whereas this one, <laughs> yeah. you know, he goes from John Probe's one-and-done beating up foreign dictators to um, suddenly taking this really sort of dark turn into the backstory, the past history of the Mac project. Yeah, definitely. We, we yeah, we are... Uh... Again, the Hulk-like Mach Zero. Um, and we, um, this takes us to like the, this this extended story, the Dolphin Tapes, which has him looking into like a like genetic engineering of spies and things. Like if one of his old friends becomes some kind of fish man, I guess, um, and then eventually leads us into um, the evil Mach Two, who's just a straight up robot. Yes, indeed. And then eventually, of course, um, probe going against the government in protecting his alien friend Fred, which of course leads to his final fate. Leads to the final fate of Mach One. 
And I'm just while you're on the dolphin tapes, I know yes. there's a that's drawn by Jesus Redondo, and we get. John Probe frozen in ice. Um, oh, yeah. Very return to Armageddon in that time. I, I, I knew exactly. immediately Jesus yeah. Redondo there just because the, you know, no one like he freezes people in ice in a very specific way. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like a fingerprint. Yes. <laughs> you could just look at that one panel and you say, oh, yes, that's Jesus Redondo freezing somebody in ice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's lovely. Yeah, that's definitely so Lovely to see that. But yeah, so we get the conclusion of Mach 1 and then we get into the rest of this book, which is mostly about... Mach Zero! Ah! Yes! <laughs> and it gets more tragic. Oh, yes. I mean, Mach Zero opens up with this extended story, with this uh, extended uh, story called uh, Cousin George, which is all about Zero being captured and abused by this sort of... I don't know, evil Knievel meets Liberace kind of character, like yes. put in a put in a in a carnival exhibit and and like tortured and stuff, and only saved by this vagrant army that comes after him. So it's like also like Oliver Twist has shown up in the middle of it and stuff. It's a, a crazy story. I love it so much, and it's one actually that I know. Um, uh, Fox comes back to a lot. Also, my 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 co-host on Space Spinner, we talk about this one a lot as just sort of being um, a real high point of just ridiculous stories in 2000 AD. Cramming all these different sorts of uh, pop culture types together, all these all like you know bits and absolutely from from culture. You know, the Six Million Dollar Man, the Incredible Hulk. Um, those two classics of literature we just talked about Evil Knievel, uh, Liberace and then even as you say the Oliver Twist like um, tramps of London who form some sort of underground secret army of their own exactly yeah it's such a it, it's such like a um, there's so much going on in it and through and, and through it all you've got this art by, by Roman Sola and Mike Dory that really do an amazing job of um, of bringing it out and, and sort of creating these these dark sooty environments and like you know uh, sewers and places of ill repute where all these char- di- different characters meet um it's really it's it's really a lot of fun and i know yeah um the uh, especially the the vagrant army stuff is something that that's really stuck with me for a long time through through 2000 AD of just being this sort of high point of this really great black and white art yes and i mean obviously this is all black and white throughout this volume apart from i think we've got some of the covers at the back haven't we yes and I'm going to mention Ramon Sola uh, for the artwork on Mac Zero because the start of the Mac Zero story, we've mentioned the character's nods to the Incredible Hulk. And, you know, unlike John Probe, who's a very sort of like uh, sleek spy-like character, Mac Zero is a big hulking brute. And that first panel that Ramon Sola does where he's holding up the title, Mac Zero, mm-hmm. very much like that famous, uh, you know, Incredible Hulk cover, which I think is a Steranko cover, is it? Yes, I believe so. Yes. Um, so it's very much like that. And then there's an, another splash page a few pages later where after a Mike Dory episode where Ramon Sola draws him trapped in a net and that first page with the sort of like net crisscrossing his body, that's beautifully done as well, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I mean, so much of it's really well done. It's um, like there's so many like like honestly, especially in this in, in this one Mach Zero story, 
almost any first or last page is really, really has amazing stuff on it. It just gives, give a chance either for the cliffhanger or for, um, or for the, the, the opening of, of, of establishing maybe zero or like, um, or the situation he's in. They're all really great. Yeah. yeah. Like the zero being caught in the net, like, and then opening up, yeah, where he's inside and like, um, um, cousin George is abusing him and stuff. Oh, it's, 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 it's amazing stuff. Yes, Cousin George, marvellous character. And if I go back an episode to the the, the Mike Dory one that is in between those two Ramon Solas, mm-hmm. again, as you say, the opening page of uh, a very sort of like sooty, misty mm-hmm. uh, Mike Dory image of Mac Zero sort of striding out to the page towards us um, is just marvellous stuff as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Did you hear Mike Dory on the Thrillcast lockdown tapes recently talking about how he was doing a lot of this art by blotting on ink with a um, a cleaning cloth called a J cloth? Interesting. Uh, I I haven't listened to that one yet. I I have to. It, it's in my podcast queue, absolutely, because I'm a, I'm a huge Mike Dory fan, but I haven't listened to that one yet, sadly. Well, it's fantastic that we've got Mike Dory here on Mac Zero, but we also we've just been talking about him on the Action Twenty Twenty special as well. You know, it's fantastic that he's still still producing this great stuff, and it's lovely. I mean, it's real. It is real, sort of sooty, uh, almost Victorian London with these uh, this this army of tramps. Absolutely, um, yeah. Who get involved? Um, yeah, it's just terrific stuff, isn't it? And but the back and forth between Ramon Sola and Mike Dory on on Max Zero is wonderful. Yeah, they they do a great job. Yeah, of, um, uh, it feels yeah of just creating these uh, these two different worlds where Zero's being captured and those trying to save him and things. It's um, yeah, the uh, the, the 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 two art styles de- definitely play into each other. I think. And just without you know without spoiling it too much, tell us a little bit more about uh, Max Zero's tragic backstory and his son. Well, I mean, it's very much that he like like John Probe, I guess he got the uh, compu acupuncture and so forth, but he lacked the control to keep it with him to to hold on to it. So eventually, after doing some missions, it seems he was um, imprisoned for many years by the uh, by the British government, but eventually breaking free. Um, in the Mach One story, and after that, just sort of beca- you know began an a, a incredible Hulk style wandering of the countryside, getting into adventures and things like that. Um, but that leads us eventually to the final Mach Zero story, where he um, does manage to get reun- to try to to reunite with his son and try to get some redemption as well. Yes, another cameo by Margaret Thatcher again in that one, right? <laughs> Although I think they're they're careful to show her mostly from behind. Yeah, yes, only only the back of the head and like a a, a pointing hand, you know, a bit of the uh, the old Tom Tully special there as well. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you know, we we keep mentioning uh, popular culture from the seventies, but I guess. You've mentioned it already. It's like the Incredible Hulk TV show. You can almost hear the piano music as he wants. <laughs> of course, off. yes. This yeah. s- sad piano with Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Although it's different because he's always the Hulk. He doesn't turn into Bill Bixby to sort of, you know, be no. able to actually hitchhike. He can only walk, you know. He can only be the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yes. He can only be Max Zero. Max Zero's just got a Max Zero the whole time. Absolutely. Um, no choice yeah. but. <laughs> so, I mean, we've sort of touched on this a bit, Conrad, but why... I mean, why do you think the strip, you know, they decided or Steve McManus decided to do this with the strip to take it on this sort of dark, 
turn into uh, the backstory of the Mac project. I mean, I feel like the, I mean, like you said, even with the $6 million man, there are sort of hints of the more sinister nature of this government stuff, you know? Like, I, th- I think we, like, I, I know when we first did Mach 1 in, t- in us, in, sp- in, in Space Spinner 2000, I know uh, my co-host Fox was constantly wondering when this was going to turn sinister and <laughs> the secret agent handler was going to turn evil, you know? Like, yep. it's such, like, an obvious thing almost, like, or it, it, it's, it's a twist that you're waiting for that it's 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 hard not to i mean especially you're in sort of this late 70s early 80s era no one trusts the government things like that um it's very you know we sort of hear these tales of strange government tests and things like that it's very easy to imagine them making this kind of super soldier and just sort of then getting loose and being out there i guess um but i think also like that that Hulk character of someone who's very strong but can't control their strength and is being hounded by authority figures and stuff. I mean, there's a reason why it's been so popular in, in, you know, as the Hulk for so many years. And I think it's something that speaks to a like, I don't know, a young male reader kind of, if that makes yep. sense. Yep. That, that's sort, you know, that sort of concept. It's something that, um, that they can identify with and I think makes for an interesting character. And Steve McManus as a writer, I mean, obviously, you know, he is the mighty one. We know he is the editor um, throughout 2080's golden period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the only time really we've talked about him much on the book club about a writer was when he wrote his, you know, his biography, The Mighty One. Mm-hmm. Um, but here he is writing the Mac Zero stories and um, it's great stuff, actually. It's, you know, revealing this sort of darker theme, which I think is wonderful. Yeah, especially this, um, this fi- the, the final Mach Zero story, which is um, actually takes place several years after the first one. Mach Zero ends in like 78 and then comes back in uh, 1980. So it definitely feels like one that's had, that's been a long time coming. So yeah, I, I think this is uh, the kind of story that, that that's in, that's interesting to him, and he doesn't sort of come up with them that often. So it's sort of it's always interesting when he actually takes up a typewriter to write a story himself. You know? Yeah, I just thought it was fascinating. You know, because as I said, if we look at the sort of opening credits pages, there are loads of different writers and loads of different artists on the history of Mac One and Mac Zero. But it was it seemed to me that once Steve McManus took over, I thought, oh wow. This is a real change. This is, you know, takes the strip somewhere completely different. And, of course, I knew from listening to you and Fox on Space Spinner 2000 that you were big fans of when Mac Zero shows up. Um, so it's nice to actually get a collection in our hands to be able to talk about it here. Uh, it's, good, it's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, um, like, the story is really interesting as, as Zero becomes this sad, tragic character that I think is, is kind of an unusual one in 2000 AD, I think, but definitely worth reading. And just, um, I, I love Mike Dory's art and the, yeah, these, these really dark inks, these like, um, you know, inky, foggy, uh, uh, black and white art is so amazing that it really has to be seen. It's really, um, it's, 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 it's worth checking out for sure. So, from this second volume of Mac One, 
adventures, and particularly, I guess, from Max Zero. Did you have any particular favourite stories or moments, or did or, or that you and Fox liked particularly? Oh well, for for one, I I, I have to go back to Mach One himself. There's a section um, where he and the uh, and the Mach woman, who's from you know an Eastern country, quote unquote, go to a research lab and fight both a Mach dog and an army of zombie Mach children. There's a moment where John Probe is this giant chain that he's swinging around and knocking these kids all over the place, and that that's an early great moment. Yes. <laughs> what I remember us laughing about quite a bit. Then I um, also another story where uh, where Probe rides a cruise missile like a horse, basically, sort of, um, of course, yep. programming <laughs> as he goes. I love that image. Absolutely, it's sort of a sort of the alternate version of a Slim Pickens from uh, from Doctor Strange Love, I guess. Um, but then um, a lot of it is is is. What we're ta- what we've talked about the the march of the vagrant army in uh, in the Mox- in the first Mox Zero story, the big final fight against the army in the in the in the in the final Mox Zero story was like picking up boulders and throwing them at troops and like you know punching out tanks and stuff. That's a really amazing stuff. I think my, my final one might be uh, one story from the annuals, which is after the Mach Zero stuff, where they have some annual content. Um, there's a, 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 a Mach 1 story by Gary Leach that's got a very kind of Barbarella kind of space kind of feel to it. You know, lithe space suits with like big uh, bubble dome he- helmets and things that I think is very, has a good retro space feel. Yes. I quite wanted the, uh, the Mach 1 action figure in the spacesuits. Absolutely. Um, over here, we of course we had Action Man. You called him GI Joe, or maybe the other way around. You yes. called him GI Joe, and we we call him Action Man. But then you you would get all those lovely spacesuits or the snowsuit or uh, yeah, you know. definitely yeah, all these different different accoutrements and um, and uh, accessories to put your yeah. to put your guys in. Absolutely, yeah. I love a I would I I, I love a spacesuit with a, with the big glass dome. You know, yes. that's such. <laughs> it's 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 always fun to see that. Yeah, it is fantastic stuff. Uh, yeah, so that's good. Those are some annual stories at the back of this volume. I mean, like yourself, uh, when it switches to Max Zero, when Max Zero is taking out a tank, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Absolutely. But whenever he seems to stalk the sewers of this sort of weird, sooty, foggy London with mm-hmm. the vagrant army, is just uh, beautiful stuff from Mike Dory. I was quite staggered by it, actually. So thank you very much. Yeah, it's it's so unique, especially in in, in this era of 2000 AD. I think that it just it, it doesn't it looks like nothing else in 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 the prog at the time, and so I, I, it it really ha- has stuck with me over the years since since we since since we've talked about it. Yeah, great stuff, fantastic. Um, and I you know I mentioned him again. You know we've talked a lot about Ramon Sola and Mike Dory, but I will mention that there is a couple of uh, Hazus Redondos in here as well. He draws a, a neat John Probe in, in flares doing karate kicks. <laughs> as you do, absolutely. As you do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, very Steve Austin in there as well. And yes, I've just found the page where his friend is turned into the manfish. Um, <laughs> There is a lot of stuff going on in this volume, isn't there? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's very much like here's just like a couple months of a 2000 AD story where there's, you know, it, it's not one plot. It's like just a workaday episodic um, um, early thrill. So you definitely get a lot of highs and lows, a lot of different things, be it uh, uh, climbing up the side of Everest on your own, uh, man fishes, 
guys trapped in a, in a power armor, suits going crazy, you know, murderous model train hobbyists, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> John Probe rescuing a captured uh, alien. Uh, as you say, there's the Mac Dog attack, yes. which is quite beautifully done. Um, whoever does that episode's artwork, I think it's Lozano, does the sort of wonderful sort of um, slow motion uh, images of the dog and Mac One and the and the Mac Woman d- jumping over a fence. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's just like. It's so it's so ridiculous. Just one of these, you know, uh, for, for, from time to time, Fox now just sort of talk about like stories that have come before just vaguely. And it's like, oh, yes. Remember when Mach 1 fought that dog? Or something? <laughs> it's very like, oh, yes. Like these things happened. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Conrad, before I ask you the Grail page question, um, anything else about Mach 1 and Mach 0 that you wanted to bring up from your notes? I think... Hmm. It's certainly good stuff. This is mo- yeah. Uh, I mean, Mach 1's kind of an interesting sto- – like, I don't know. The way that, that they worked on it in editorial is kind of interesting in these early days of 2000 AD. I think it's the first story that, like, left for a few progs and then came back, I believe, <laughs> um, which is kind of an int- – like, that, that, that kind of got some retooling or something. Yeah. And it's very much this sort of these these sort of early days stories. A lot of early two thousand AD, like the first stories, are these sort of episodic things of just um here's a self contained one prog story or maybe one or two progs. And while for the most part stories just sort of like the episodic stories ended and gave way to new stories that were a little bit more uh, serialized, Mach One tried to make the jump, which I think is an interesting sort of change in the in the, in the narrative direction for these guys. Um that is sort of I don't know. As I see 2000 AD evolve in front of me, I'm sort of trying to take you know I'm I'm always trying to take stock of sort of how how things are changing in terms of storytelling and things. Um, it, it, it it's interesting to me, although I'm not sure if I can relate it cohesively yet. <laughs> or in a way well, that I, makes sense. I always find this this is fascinating stuff about these these stories that start out as just sort of like direct cribs from popular culture. Yes, and then at some point. Uh, either the original creators or another bunch of creators say, actually, we can do something more interesting and challenging with this. We can step this up. Uh, or we can just revive a strip that may be flagging slightly by doing something different. And I just, I yeah. was fascinated that it was the editor himself who takes over and says, oh, yeah, I know what I'm going to do here. I'm going to go to the backstory and I'm going to bring on a couple of artists who will literally make the strip darker, yeah. but also more beautiful. Um, so yeah, I, I'm fascinated by it. You know, the moment when they decide, yeah, we're going to do something different. We're going to change this up. Absolutely, it's almost, almost Alan Moore picking up, you know, uh, Miracle Man uh, or Marvel Man as we knew him at the time, right? And saying, you know, he's just a he was a cheap 1950s, 1960s knockoff of of Shazam, and then suddenly, wow, what he did with him in Warrior, and it feels like similar here with Steve McManus and uh, Max Zero. Yeah, I think that's a big thing in comics is just finding there's always these little used characters that 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 are lying around. I think of like a Jack Kirby and uh, and a Jimmy Olsen in uh, his New Gods work as well, which is a similar thing. Yes, true. That's very true. Okay, so Conrad Grail pages. Uh, I guess some of this art might still exist, but I'd have to look on the. Uh comic art fans galleries and see but if there was all this artwork available and we could afford it um can you pick a page or two or a cover that you'd like 
Oh man, I have I I, I have quite a few, sadly. I'm, I'm oh, that's good. I feel spoiled for choice in the course of my, in, in 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 the course of this collection. Um, the 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 top one for me must be page uh, 180 in the um, in the digital version or 178, the actual page number. 178 page number one, 180 in the digital, which is this Mike Dory start of Mach 1, where, where, or of Mach 0, where Mach 0 is pushing over these pillars as everyone runs for cover and stuff. It's, he's like a, like a, like a Hercules movie or, or like Samson or something. Just this incredible show of strength as these, uh, both aristocrats and the vagrant army sort of run for cover in front of him. It's an amazing image. It is wonderful, isn't it? Yes, that's fantastic. Okay, so we'll give you that one, page one hundred and seventy-eight from this collection. Yes, and cool. th- and then um, I would say um, at the end of the of, uh, of the story on a. Uh, on page one ninety nine, I think, or uh, uh, which is right right at the start of the Mach Zero story, where he is uh, dreaming of his time as an agent and like fighting this fighting these tanks and things, is this great again like very dark Mike Dory art of just Zero running around and everyone trying to stop him and no one being able to. It's an amazing, um, an amazing couple panels. Fantastic. And then, well, sorry, we- and, and one last one is 138, which is just the final moments of John Probe as he's seeing Fred be beamed up and he's, and he's assassinated as well. That's just a great, um, final 2000 AD, a, a, a final fight for a 2000 AD character. Sorry to have so bad. No, no, it's great. That's, that's marvelous as well. That is, uh, Fatal injuries sustained, reports the computer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers, but yes, there you go. <laughs> well, we're going to give you all three of those pages. Oh, those amazing. Pages, and you can hang them on the walls of the Space Spinner 2000 laboratories uh, <laughs> in your underground bunker that we're all in at the moment. Absolutely. Um, yes, absolutely. So those are fantastic. A couple of Mike Dory pages. And then I guess the other one, is it a Lozano page? Possibly, I, I think so. Uh, Lozano or, or Montero. Montero, 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 I think. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. I was going to pick. I wanted to pick a Mike Dory page because we've been talking about him. Yes. Um, and I think it's going to be one of the. Again, it's going to be a Mike Dory opening splash page, um, and it is in this volume, one page one sixty two, where Max Zero is bending the iron bars and escaping from the cage. Oh yes, lovely. Um, and it's just a powerful image, um, and it's so beautifully done. So yeah, that's the one I think. Actually, I'd say splash page. It's the last page of that episode, isn't it? Because at the bottom it says "Next Prog, the show must go on." But yeah, that one I think is what I'm going to have. Excellent. Yeah, like I said, yeah, in this uh, cousin George story, I feel like all all the cliffhanger and start pages are 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 worthy of um, of consideration for Grail pages. There's so many great ones of just um, yeah of zero in peril or people fighting back and stuff. It's all great yeah. stuff. It is great stuff. It is fantastic. And I was, uh, I mean, I'd listened to you talking about it on Space Minute 2000 with Fox, but I was quite surprised by this volume, particularly by the sort of dramatic turn that happens sort of about a third of the way through the book which was just terrific absolutely Um, and there's some great artists in here you know there is as we've said there's many many artists um and they do get their brief bios i think each at the back of the book along with some color covers as well plus that sort of image of uh Mac one and the uh, the Mac woman leaping off a railway bridge yeah i like that as well actually but that's not the a, a real 
there's only one panel in the actual thing, so it's sort of not a choice. But that's a cool, just a cool, like a single, single still as well. So, Mac One Volume Two Close Encounters is available, obviously from the 2000 AD store, nine uh, sixteen ninety nine or nine ninety nine digitally, and of course the first volume is also easily available as well. And I've got both here, um, and they are terrific fun, actually. <laughs> even though you know Mac One sometimes goes a bit sort of dodgy, late nineteen seventies, but there we go. Mm. Great stuff. Thank you, Conrad. Thank of you course. for coming on the book club yet again. Oh, uh, always my fourth, pleasure. Your fourth appearance. You're getting, you know, you'll be catching up with Pete Wells soon. <laughs> you know, I'm always always available. I love talking about this. It's it's fun for me to, to, to look back on some of these thrills that we've talked about a while ago um, on, on, on Space Spitter and sort of reevaluate them or just take a, t- take a, a, a closer look at them. There's so much uh, thrill power out there that it's always great to just, you know, we... In, in Space Spinner, we're on a desperate pace, so it's always good to just take some time to luxuriate in these old stories. Well, let's talk about this, the pace of Space Spinner 2000, because we're recording this in early April, but this will be out towards the end of May, this episode will drop. Um, uh, obviously, as we record, we're all in lockdown. Um, you and I, I know, we're both trying to keep some uh, the output for our podcast going, because people... Um, hopefully need some distractions in these worrying times now i know you usually you've got your um your sort of space spinner 2000 plan where will you be towards (laughs) the end of may 2020 towards the end of may will be right like in in late summer of 1989 getting very close to the big relaunch in Prague 650 um in probably about a week or no in two weeks from when this episode comes out you might want to check out space spinner for a certain mega city book clubber to appear on space spinner itself oh right <laughs> as we talk about the uh, the 2000 the 1990 2080 annual um but it's a really fun time right now. Um, we've sort of, we're sort of, we, we, we've just finished part one of uh, the Horn God and of a uh, Xenophase three, and those are about to restart. We're like on the verge of getting to Necropolis, which I'm incredibly excited for. Um, and then just a, a, a bunch of other stories as well. Our, Arthur Ranson's arrived to do some Judge Anderson. It's great stuff, just generally. Fantastic. Yes, we will. Pull back the curtain slightly because we have just recorded a double header this evening, or it's uh, it's late evening here in England and it's early morning for you in Los Angeles. I think <laughs> indeed because we've done uh, we've done a 2080 annual for Space Spinner 2000, and then we've done some Max Zero as well. Yeah, he- heavy day of recording. I'll also say um, just generally for Space Spinner. Um, Keep an eye out in the fall. We'll finally have made it to the end of 1990, which means we will at last begin our coverage of the Judge Dredd magazine. Which ah, is going to be fantastic. very exciting. It's going to be its own show. Um, I'm going to uh, call it uh, Big Meg One. There should be details. Um, by the time this episode comes out, we'll have already talked about it with my co- with the co-host for that show, Eli, as, we t- um, as part of our coverage of the 89 Dread Mega Special. Um, I Hopefully, in between now and then, I'm going to be trying to put out some primer episodes, which is just to kind of get my co-host Eli up to speed with, with Judge Dread, but could be just sort of some interesting potted histories of parts of, of of dread and mega city one that i think everybody might, might be interested in fantastic and of course 
you did, as we've mentioned at the start of the show, you did your uh, Space Spinner reaction um, spin-offs about action from the 1970s. Um, apart from the magazine, any other sort of uh, comics that you'd like to get to at some point? Any plans for those? Oh, always. I mean, I don't know. Like, um, I feel like I'm always on the verge of, of trying to find people to do Star-Lord and maybe eventually Tornado and things like that. All these other retro 2080 stories. You know, someday I've made a promise to Fox that if we sort of get into a re- if, if we manage to record ahead enough we'll do some dice man stories and things like that i mean honestly you know I, I i feel greedy about it but it is very much i just kind of look at the breadth of thrill power and i'm like yes we must talk about all of this <laughs> but no, uh, uh for most of it no no specific plans at the moment sadly okay but some interesting stuff coming up as you reach the end of 1989 and get into 1990 and 2000 AD. Absolutely. There's some big things coming up, aren't there? Yeah. Listen, be cool. Like, <laughs> we talk, everyone, no spoilers, everybody. everyone be cool is what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, we, like I, you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to get on Twitter and I'm going to tell Fox about how no, this no. ends. And it's like, you know, we could all learn it. We could all see the reaction together. You know, like, I think that's the better way. <laughs> I think so too. That's what we're all looking forward to. Absolutely. So great stuff, Conrad. And as ever, putting out lots of content, which is fantastic. Uh, where can we find Space Spinner 2000? You can find, uh, we're on all of your preferred podcastual apps. Um, anything, you know, if you're, if you're listening to Mega City Book Club, presumably Space Spinner 2000 should also be there. You can also find us at spacespinner2000.com, our uh, home site with all the episodes and some other stuff. And we're on all the socials as well, your 2080 forums, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. Excellent. Uh, do track down. If you've not jumped on the Space Spinner 2000 tra- uh, train, you should do because it's fantastic stuff. I promise we're, we're we're quite friendly and having a great time talking about this all all of this thrill power. Absolutely, and thank you to Conrad for doing this uh, mega recording we've done. Thank you so much for giving up your time. Oh, of course, always happy to. It's um, you know, there's there, there's no better way to start a weekend than spending a couple hours talking thrill powers with you, my friend. Splendid, and I look forward to your choice for 2021 on uh, the book club. Oh yes, absolutely. And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. Uh, find us at megacitybookclub.com. Um, like Conrad, you will also find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the 2080 forums, and on Spotify. And if you want to get in touch with me with uh, suggestions for upcoming books or any comments or feedback, it's mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. And that'll do us. Until next time on Mega City Book Club, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's uh, time for goodbyes. Goodbye from me and... Splendig Verthrig from me. Can you start recording for a second, Fox? I just, I just want to show you this, all right? All right. I, I, just, hit, I just hit record. Here okay, I am. Fox. I'm recording. This is this is from the action special, which I've asked okay. you for two weeks to listen to, and you did, have you not. did you have asked me that? That is or, true. Or two weeks to look at, and, and you haven't. Because I have I've been not. waiting for I've been waiting for your reaction to this. All right. All right. I'm, I'm going to show I, you. So we're doing this live. I'm going to show I, you an image now. Yes. I, this I, isn't I the like poop monster lasers, on. right? This no. is a different thing. All right. Yes. This is awesome! What are you? That's what I'm saying. Oh my god! (laughs) Ah, No, I've been trying desperately to get you to read this damn comic to get the reaction. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs)
I yeah, so so you you uh you had my interest now you have my full thing attention. My favorite part is that true to form his jaws grow in size. Oh, this is so great. The only thing it's missing is a T-Rex. Uh, you know what? Like, it's not even it's not even missing that. You know there's there's nothing missing in this. Yeah, I'm listen, pretty I'm I am I'm pretty okay with just the image that you've shown me. Look, I'm not going to give jo- context. Hook Josh Shacko old one eye is the sequel, buddy. You can't do it all at once. It's oh, too God. much. <laughs> it uh, it's this is maybe the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Because the comic for it is Hook most ja- the, the 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 comic for it is totally wordless. It's just like in the Arctic, <laughs> like Hookjaw's been <sighs> captured by some fishermen, and or or Shacko's been captured by some fishermen, and the fisherman's like, "You killed my brother!" And um, Hookjaw's like swimming around stealing fish from fishing nets, and then like the boat gets turned, and then they start fighting and shit. I so, mean, like, you have to be self aware enough to know that in an animal versus animal mega comic. You cannot bog me down with words, which is no. so much of my problem with so many things that like to have words. It's very much like I, I, I read the whole, you know, when I was reading it, I was definitely, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> actually, so this actually is- mine what, what was exactly like you, where it was actually a sharp <laughs> inhale of breath, like. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is so good. My favorite part about all of it is just it's not even the giant. I mean, obviously it's the giant mouths, but it's also just a random ripping. You don't know where the the bear rips begin and the shark rips end. It, there's yeah. just so many pieces of things, and also Arctic water. Ah, oh, this is great. Bah. <laughs>